Well, good morning. Reading someone's mind is not one of the spiritual gifts. So communication is really important. People can't, don't know what I'm thinking unless I can use words and communicate that. Uh, so Jesus used a lot of parables when he taught his disciples. In, uh, in the Old Testament, Hosea chapter 12, verse 10, God says, I spoke to the prophets, gave them many visions, and told parables through them. So God is saying that he's communicated to us through parables and allegories to the Old Testament prophets. So what we want to do for the next couple of weeks is we want to look at some of those Old Testament parables, those word pictures that uh, God used through the prophets to communicate truth. Uh, and the one we're going to look at today is uh, in Numbers chapter 21. So if you have a Bible nearby, open that up. Book of Numbers, chapter 21, uh, that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Fourth book in the Bible, chapter 21. It's a story here um, about, about a catastrophe, a, a crisis that came to Israel in the Old Testament and what we learn from that. So uh, I, want, I want to break this story down into four segments, and the first one is in verses 4 and 5. So Numbers 21, verses 4 and 5 say, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. So we're looking here at this, this story, and the first thing I want us to see, the first point in our outline, if you want to write this down to help you remember, is the reason for the sorrow. As we're going to see in the next verse, great sorrow came to the people of, uh, of Israel. There was a reason for their sorrow. They complained. They murmured. They griped. You see, life is a gift from God. And any gift can be taken back. And so we need to do the things that God says give life and not the things that God says give death. He said, the wages of sin is death. So when God gives us a gift and we grumble and gripe about it, that's a sin. Death diminishes life. And of course, in the Bible, when, we, when we're looking at these principles, we're not talking about physical life and death always. We're talking about spiritual life and death. And it's sin that brings about spiritual death. And it diminishes the life that God has promised and God gives us as a gift. So it says the people grew impatient. Impatient. The King James Version says, much discouraged. Have you ever become impatient? Have you ever been discouraged with your walk of faith? And how you feel God's treating you? 
Sure you have. We all go through those periods of time because our, our, our life develops, it grows, and it says that the people grew impatient on the way. The way. God had set a way for them. God had just delivered them from bondage in Egypt. In a great supernatural miracle, he delivered them from Pharaoh and his oppression. And so they had found freedom. And then he's taken them to the promised land. But the journey between their deliverance and the promised land is the way. And it is a wilderness. It shouldn't surprise us that we live down here on planet Earth as Christians. And we need to pray. Because we're going through some crisis. Because we're living in a wilderness. We, this isn't heaven was not supposed to be heaven. This is a wilderness. And they became impatient on the way. So right in the path where God set them, they're griping and complaining about where God had positioned them. Have you griped and complained lately? There's plenty of things to gripe about, plenty of things to complain about. If you think you're in heaven, this world isn't any fun. Have you complained about the government lately, or about the president, or about Congress, or about the economy and how it's affecting you? I know you have, because I see your posts on Facebook. We don't like this world, but we gripe and complain. But aren't we the very people who have entrusted our lives into God's hands? That means we are on the way. And if God gives a few potholes and bumps in the road along the way, do we have a right to gripe and complain about that because God's trying to grow us and develop something in us? He's trying to do a new thing that we don't understand? Whenever our enjoyment of life is troubled, we gripe and complain. We want the easy way. But nothing develops the easy way. What we, how we learn and grow is when we go through things the hard way and then we learn them. So to murmur and gripe about God's provision for me is not a good thing. It gets me in trouble, as it did the Israelites. Notice the last thing they said. We detest this miserable food. You know what they're talking about, don't you? It's that supernatural manna that God was providing for them day after day after day. Have you griped about what you've been eating lately? Oh, if we could just sit down at Cracker Barrel one more time. But we're going to have to wait. And we might have to wait a long time before we can sit down at Cracker Barrel. But we need to be careful how we deal with it because they're rejecting the gift of God. I believe God has put us in this season for a reason. We need to be careful not to reject it. Well, the story continues, and I want us to see uh, what happens next here as we read verse 6. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. I mean, they're getting stung. They're getting bit. This is not good news. 
This is troublesome. This is a problem. This is the result of sin. It's the result of their griping and complaining and rejecting the gift that God has given them because they don't have faith to trust Him doing what He's doing right now. Now, we, we probably don't have, you probably don't have a problem with venomous snakes. But if you look around our world, I think you will see there are problems there is a plague right now in our country, COVID-19. Does God, it's, and it's, it's, I think these curses are a result of sin, not the result of some individual's sin. It's the result of humankind. Our, it's the human rejection of God. It's not so much what I did wrong, or what you did wrong, it's what humankind is doing wrong on the earth. That we have rejected the gift of God, and we have set up our own system of happiness. Many Israelites died. The wages of sin is death. I believe coronavirus is a curse upon the world. Humans, not because certain people did certain deeds but because humankind has rejected God. And so it's not an American problem, it's a global problem. It's not an epidemic here, it's a pandemic all over the world. As of Saturday morning, there are 12 recorded cases here in DeKalb County. And we are a minority. All around us are many more than that. One person in DeKalb County, has already died of coronavirus. And that person was a committed, outspoken Christian. So this, th this plague doesn't care if we're a Hindu, a Muslim, an atheist, or a Christian. It's against humankind because of our rejection. So this is the result of sin. I'm going to say something that's not very popular, but I believe the Lord's put it in my heart to share. I believe I'm speaking prophetically. I think here in America, there are two gods that we have placed up on a high place, and God wants to bring them down. The first god is the god of the economy. And we've been so proud and so boastful of the economic system that we have. We just can't run out of money. It just keeps flowing and, and, and we have become secure. It's a God of the economy and God is bringing it to its knees. The second God we've allowed to rise up is the God of politics. Now, we tend to think our party, the party that we follow, is God. And if we just do it this way, if we just elect this certain person as the president, then our country's going to be fine. And so we begin treating a person like they're the Savior. That's an offense against God. He wants Christians, he wants his church to come back to a place where we recognize he is God. And everything we have is a gift from God. And we need to cherish that gift. So being a sinner, as we all are, has a sting to it. There's a price to it. Even if I try my best not to do sin deeds, I'm still a sinner in my heart. Saved by grace, 
not saved by my works. So I'm vulnerable to COVID-19. I have to stay home. I have to stay away from people. I don't like this curse. That's the result of sin. That's the second point. Now the next verse unveils the story one step further, and I want us to see it. This is in verse 7. It says, The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. I'm glad God hears me pray. Here's the third thing. It's the repentance of a suffering people. See, the people repented. They confessed. They made a, I guess I shouldn't say they made, they repented. They confessed. You know, there's a difference between confession and repentance. Confession is when you acknowledge something. It's when you confess it. Repentance is when you change your way and not do it. I had a, uh, a friend of mine years ago in a church, he's since gone on to be with the Lord, but he told me about his days as a, as a young person. His friends would go out on a Saturday night and they had intentions to go party and get drunk and do whatever else they wanted to do. And so they, would, they were all Catholic boys, so they stopped by the Catholic church and they went into confession Saturday night before the party. And in their confession, they confessed what they were going to do. And the priest would give them some, some prayers and some deeds that they needed to do to outweigh the bad. And, and then they got back in their car and they went out for their, for their party. Uh, there's a difference between confession, telling some, acknowledging God what you did or what you're going to do, and repentance, which means I'm not going to do that anymore. I've changed my, the way I think. I've changed my mind. I've changed my direction. The, the repentance of a suffering people is when they came and they said, we misspoke. We said the wrong thing. We were blaming you when we should have been acknowledging God. And now we're paying the price and we recognize it and they wanted to do something about it. So they said, praise, or excuse me, pray the Lord will take away the snakes from among us. This is what they want. Take away the snakes. We don't want these snakes. These snakes are killing us. They're causing us misery. Take the snakes away. And I think that's, that's what we do. We, we come to God when it's finally gotten so bad, when our marriage is so rotten, when everything is falling apart, then we come to God and we want Him to take away the curse that we brought on ourselves. Isn't that what we do? But that takes us to the last part of the story and how we're going to kind of uh, wrap this up, which is in verses 8 and 9. Let's see what God does here. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. God came up with a solution to the problem. This is what we're calling the remedy for the sting. God has a remedy. He has an antidote. 
And it's something that's not just ancient history. We live this today. I'm going to put up on the screen here the logo for EMS. You'll recognize it. You see this all the time on that hospital van as it comes around to help us. Notice it's the image of a snake on a pole. It comes from this Bible story. EMS people represent healing. Healing for people that need healing. And I guess this would be a good time for us to just stop as a church, all of us, and be thankful for the healthcare workers in our church that are in clinics and hospitals, nursing homes, taking care of vulnerable people. These people in the healthcare profession, they've got to see people in their office that may have COVID 19. They're being possibly exposed to it on a regular basis. And who knows when they won't contract that. And so I, I'm so appreciative of the healthcare workers, the nurses, the CNAs, these, these people who are on the front lines taking care of people. So uh, I think all of us in our living rooms, we ought to put our hands together and we just ought to thank these healthcare workers for what they do uh, in, in our community. And uh, I think it's also good for us to know that Parkview DeKalb has asked our church if we would adopt them for prayer, that we would pray a covering over that hospital, over the doctors, nurses, the healthcare workers there. And we're doing that. And if you pray, remember, remember to pray for them. They're the people doing what you really don't want to do. So Moses prayed for the people. Notice he didn't pray for the snakes. Their request was, please take the snakes away. And I've been praying, Lord, please take this COVID-19 away. Take this virus away from us. And then I read this story, and I'm rethinking that. I'm rethinking how I should be praying on this. If, it's a, if this is a curse to wake people up, and people haven't woken up yet, do we really want God to take it away? Or do we want people to open their eyes turn from their wicked ways, be the people he wants them to be. So Moses prayed for the people. Notice God did not remove the snakes. The snakes were still around. They were still biting people. But God put up a system. Take a serpent, lift it up on a pole, and then when anybody who gets bit looks on the serpent, they can be healed. If the serpent's bite is the result of sin, God's given us an antidote for our sin. I mentioned a moment ago that I confess I'm a sinner. I don't want to be. I want to do everything I can to not be. God looks down at me and he doesn't see me as a sinner because Jesus paid the price for me. But I know my heart. I know my mind. I know I've got some things that need to be cleaned up. So God gives an antidote. Make a snake. Put it on a pole. What does a serpent, what does a snake represent? Remember, I believe this is a parable. There's a word picture here. What's a snake represent? It tells us in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, the great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. 
He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. He's the serpent. The serpent represents Satan. Satan is the great sinner who inspires us to live a life of sin, which then brings about death in our life, which God does not want to see. So God comes up with an antidote so this death does not have to be a destroyer in our life. Put that, make a snake, put it on a pole, and lift it up. And um, elevate it so everybody can see it. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 32, speaking of sin, it says, In the end it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. You see, this is a major theme in the Bible. He keeps talking about this. Satan prompts us to do evil so that it can take away the life that God wants to give us. So, here's the word picture. Here's how it, here's how it fits together, and I want us all to get this. When Jesus came, he was the Son of God. But he came to help us. And so to help us, he became sin. Hebrews says he became sin for us. So they took Jesus at the end of his life and they nailed him to a cross, a wooden cross, a wooden pole, and lifted him up from the earth representing sin, representing my sin, representing your sin. And when we look up, at the cross and see Jesus as he, as he was playing the role of my sin, the serpent on the cross. This is a type. It's a word picture. It plays out. Only in the New Testament would we see this parallel. Would we see this connection? Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Anyone in the 21st century, living in DeKalb, Nobles, Dubin County, Anyone who looks at Jesus, the serpent on the pole, paying the price for my sin, can be healed. God wants to heal you, wants to heal me. This parable is loaded with truth for us. But you've got to make a snake. You, the confession of your sin, putting that on a cross, is making the snake you got to lift it up. It's got to be something you look at. Jesus is what I keep looking at. I read the newspaper. Yes, I follow my friends on Facebook. But I want to keep looking up at Jesus because he's my hope. He's my hope. It's not some worldly thing. It doesn't come from some person. And so I've got to lift it up and I've got to look at it. You have to behold it. You have to fix your eyes on it. You have to stay focused on Jesus. You can't be looking at everything else. You've got to focus on Jesus. He's the only hope and solution we have. And then fourthly, you've got to live. You've got to live it. You've got to do more than just say, I believe it. You have to live it. And then that life overcomes the death that Satan wants to bring into our life. John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 brings it all together like this. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. And everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real 
life, eternal life. You see how this all plays together? The Old Testament teaches us what the Old Testament was conveying. So I'm so thankful for these stories that we're going to be looking at. This is the application of the cross, that he gives us hope, he gives us life. God did not take the snakes away. And he may not take COVID-19 away for a long time. But he gives us an antidote. He gives us something to do so that we can live. It may sting, but we will live. It will not kill us. Looking at Jesus, keeping your eyes on Jesus, is like pulling the stinger out. It stops in jet, in, uh, sticking us with the venom. There's a word, I can't think of what it is, but you know what I'm thinking about. Looking at Jesus takes the stinger out. Snake on the pole. That's Jesus paying the price for your rebellion, your sin. He gives us hope. If you'd like to step into that covenant, if you'd like to step into that promise, one thing you can do is go to the bottom of this page where it talks about raising my hand. It's like saying, yes, Lord, that's me. When you click on that, God sees you clicked on it. It's just like raising a hand in a church service. You're taking an action step toward God. Because God is good. And He wants you to live. And He wants you to live life to the full. To have that abundant life. Not just limping along like all your neighbors. He wants you to have it to the full. Let Him put that in you. Turn away from your sin. Because it just brings about more grief. God's got good news for you. He's got real good news for you. I want to pray with you. Lord, help us to lift up Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And help us to find the cure for all our sins, diseases. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.